words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Your years will never end. Your years will never end. What a title for a message on the weekend when everybody is dying. I've come from two funerals this week alone and I still grieving with one or two families who have lost people. And yet we have a title which we chose a long time ago about years never ending. About things that never come to an end. So I invite you on this journey to consider years that never end. Our lead scripture is Psalm 102 verse 27. But you remain the same and your years will never end. Let's read it together. But you remain the same and your years will never end. One more time. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. One day, I was doing a Bible study, and these words literally jumped out to me. Your years will never end. And this is obviously speaking about God, whose time is always whose seasons never end. A God who was here way before beginning began and a God who will be here after we've done our own part and we seize out of the cosmos. Truly, if you can take a look at the solar system, you can see that the world continues the world continues. We come for our own five minutes of glory in the earth and we spin out of orbit while the orbit continues to move. There is a designer who lives longer and who has been here longer. So it is to us that a time is given. It is to us that a season is made available. So we have this assignment to do our lives within the ambit of our time and our days, which are very few. Our days are few, but his years will never end. So God defines himself as a God of generations. This scripture in Psalm 102, the other part says, For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. He said, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. So it means that God is writing verses for generations in the future. It means that before we came here, there were verses written for us. 
It means that because before we're born, God designed some things for us to walk into. Look at the Bible. Richly resourcing us with the future, the future plan of God, the future idea of God, the future purpose in the heart of God. He says, write this down. Write what I'm doing down for a future generation. There are a people coming. They are not yet created, but they will praise me. They will praise me. God is the God of our fathers, the God of our grandfathers, the God of our ancestors, the God of the patriarchs. He goes all the way back. And nothing makes us to see God more than civilizations that have been here. We just watched this short clip about Julius Caesar, the most influential king who shaped our civilization. The Roman Empire actually framed the modern world. And whether it's calendars or whether it's systems or whether it's ways of travel or whether it's ways of learning, we sit on the back of one man, Julius Caesar. He is almost the architect of modern Western society. And this man was going after power as if power was everything. He chased power. He sought power. He got the entire Senate in a time of democratic elections to appoint him as a dictator. He wanted to have the title dictator. And he was such a great dictator that everybody loved him. You know the kind of dictator who is building systems, building streets. You're like, why do we need democracy? That was Julius Caesar. And he carried his, his movement to the whole of Europe, across Europe into Asia. Rome conquered the world. Before there was Julius Caesar, there was Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered the world. He was traveling to conquer the entire world. He will conquer nation and move to the next nation and conquer another nation and move to the next nation. If you watch the History Channel, you will see him trying to conquer India. Like, bro, what took you all the way from France to India to go and conquer? And he was riding in horses. He fought wars with, with elephants. The Indian kings had elephants as their cavalry. He fought them and won. And he was about to go further when his army mutinied against him and said, no, no, no. Eventually, he was to be taken in the Battle of Waterloo. How many of you have heard the Battle of Waterloo? A small despised army took him out. A small location at the backyard of his house took him out, even though he conquered the world. There are big desires, but why are we here? What is our journey on earth about? Why were you born? What is this enterprise of life about? What were we created for? What is life really about? You have to ask yourself this existential question. Why are you here? Why do you live? 
Why do you breathe air? I submit to you that your life is bigger than all that you can see and everything that you've designed your life to be about. I submit to you that your life is bigger than you making money and becoming a bigger guy. I submit to you that your life is bigger than just giving birth to children or being frustrated because you can't give birth to children. I submit to you that your life is bigger than taking over the industry and being the biggest person in the industry. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So if you take a look at life only from the things you can possess, you see that life doesn't make sense because some people have reached the echelons of heights and there is no purpose to it. Some people have everything that you are dreaming to have and there is no joy and there is no purpose. According to one Mexican soap, the rich also cry. The poor weep, the rich cry. The people who lack are trying to have. The people who have are trying to simplify. The people who are slim are trying to be fat. I had some ladies having a conversation after our morning prayer and they were saying, I just saw two ladies talking. I thought they were talking about how to fix the world. Until I went closer and I started hearing them saying, if you add three spoons of Milo and you mix it with rich milk, you know that condensed milk, you know what they were comparing notes about? How to put on weight. They were talking about how to put on weight. And nobody knows the pain of somebody who has weight and is trying to lose weight. Ah. So is it about being skinny or is it about being fat? Each of it, each of it is a miasma. None of it will bring you purpose. Is it about traveling the nations? People love to travel. I'm one of those kind of guys. Tum -tum, British Airways, traveling from London Heathrow. <laughs> I just, my joy will just go up. <laughs> Until God will tell me, any move God wants me to do is seven years. He benches me. As we started Ecclesia, he says, don't travel. Don't go anywhere. Sit down. I didn't live here for six years. Before he opened the door, towards the end of last year, he woke me up by 2 a.m. and said, will you misbehave? I'm like, Lord, I don't even misbehave. What kind of question is this? Then he said, okay, open your email. I had applied for British visa. I opened my email, the visa was there. I knew what the Lord was talking about. It's like, okay, now you can go. After six years, going on the seventh, now you can go. But will you misbehave? That God is so particular about your life.
and what your life is about. It's not the things that you think that will bring you joy that your life is about. Your life is not about travel. Your life is not about money. Your life is not about the big things of this world. Your life is not about your husband or your wife. Your life is not about your children. Your life is not about your career. Your life is not about anything. Then what is life about? Open our eyes to see that which is above and beyond. That standing in this moment and in this hour, we'll reach out to the God of all eternity. The one who is timeless, whose years never wear out. That we may be a chip of him in our existence. That as he launches us out into our cosmos, into the place where we stand, we understand our purpose in him. Help us, dear God, to embrace the real purpose in your heart. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. The enterprise of God. God has something he's doing. Moses was praying. said, Numbers 14, 19 to 21. Moses was praying, pardon the iniquity of this people. I pray according to the greatness of your, of your mercy. Just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord answered Moses and said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth will be filled. Moses was pastoring a church of incapacity. Moses was leading a people who did not want to go. Moses was leading stubborn people. And because they were so stubborn, one day God got angry and said, Moses, step aside. Let me wipe them out. I will make a new race. I will make them, I will call them Moselites. And Moses fell on his face and began to intercede and say, God, no. Don't kill them, Lord. Don't kill them, Lord. Lord, have mercy. The nations will say you brought these people out and you are not able to take them to the promised land. Now, now therefore Lord, I pray repent from your fierce anger. So, <laughs> and God began to boast to Moses and said to him like, you see, I have made up my mind. God was telling Moses, as surely as I live, all the earth, these people, I'm going to destroy them. But eh, my enterprise, what I want to do, what I want to build, what I want to create, what I want to bring about must surely succeed, surely come to pass. All the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So many of these scriptures are popular, but I'm bringing them together. For unto us 
child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace this is the central message of the Bible as to a government that was coming as to a system that God was trying to create as to something that God was bringing about. This coming of the Messiah was to bring about this government. So our lives then is about that government of God. Existence then is about the authority of His Christ. Purpose then is for us to walk in step with what God wanted to build. That is his government. Say his government. And Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 continues. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Read it together. Let's read this together. One, two, go. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. One more time. Of the increase of his government, and peace, there will be no end. Julius Caesars will come and go. Sania Bachas will come and go. Dictators will come and leave. But of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish with judgment and justice, even from that time forward, even forever. Can you see this connects to that scripture God told Moses as well? This is Isaiah prophesying after Moses had come and gone that God wants to build a government that will never end. That God wants to create a citadel that doesn't cease. That God wants to create a movement that doesn't stop. That God wants to bring about something that is unwavering, unceasing, continuous, powerful. That's what God wants to do. Amen. The government of God. So God now appointed a king in Mesopotamia. And I want us to read about Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, this was the words of Daniel. You, O king, are king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And, whatever the, and wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or, and the birds of the air, he has given them into your hands and has made you ruler over them all. You are his head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then a third, then another, a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over the earth. And then the Bible talks about the next one which shall be iron and clay. And the fourth kingdom, I just jumped, jumped verse 41. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. And in the days of this king, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set, a, set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. 
It shall break in pieces and consume all other kingdoms and that kingdom shall stand forever. Can you see prophet after prophet prophesying about a kingdom which never ends? You think, which kingdom is this? Is this the Byzantine kingdom? Is this the Greco-Roman kingdom? Is it, is it the papacy? Is it Pax Americana? Is it Pax Britannica? Is it the Byzantine Empire? Which kingdom never ends? What is this that all the holy men of old were talking about? What is this that every prophet was pointing to? What is this kingdom they're talking about? You hear kingdom, what does kingdom really mean? Kingdom just simply means the place where the king reigns. The place where the king what? I know this is boring some of you. We're not talking about your miracle. We're not swinging from chandelier to chandelier. So, this is not entertaining enough. But this is actually the core of the Bible. This is the core message of the scripture. This is the primary message of the kingdom. That something is coming. That something is coming. Tell someone something is coming. Tell someone else something is coming. Something is coming. Something is coming. Something big is coming. Something unknown is coming. We will not continue to exist as we are. Something is coming. Something massive is coming. And God begins to say that after Nebuchadnezzar, after four other kingdoms after Nebuchadnezzar, in those days, the God of heaven will build a kingdom that shall never ever cease. The God of heaven will bring about a kingdom that shall never end. The God of heaven will bring about something that never stops. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So here is the quadrant of the kingdom. Everyone was talking about this same kingdom. I want, I want you to know that this is a theme that runs through the Bible. Enoch, Noah, Job, we're all talking about the kingdom. Here's what Enoch says. He says, the Lord is coming with 10,000 of his sins to judge an ungodly world. What was, what was Enoch prophesying about? He was talking about Jesus Christ. Then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that Abraham lived in tents looking for a city which was coming. And Abraham looked for a city. He did not consider the place where he was permanent. He was looking for something in the future. What was Abraham looking forward to? The kingdom. Say the kingdom. Moses and Elijah. The Bible says when Moses came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Preparing, preferring to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the treasures of sin for a moment. For he had knowledge of recompense or reward. What was that reward he was talking about? Say kingdom. So, so Moses was looking forward to the kingdom. Yeah, Isaiah and Amos begin to talk about the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. Is God talking about a physical tabernacle? 
Do you think David represented a physical tabernacle? David built a temple and tapped into a frequency. Here's what David built. In the old temple, there was the outer court, there was the holy place and the holy of holies. This was the temple of Solomon. This was the temple of everybody. The temple of Moses was like that. But David got into the frequency of the Spirit and began to see the breaking down of the walls of partitions. And one day he built a tent and he put the Ark of the Covenant there. And the Ark of Covenant was in the center of his temple. There was no division in David's temple. There was no outer court, no holy place, no holy of holies. Everybody was one in the devil's, in David's temple. In that David's temple, something began to happen. Ah, they began to dance and began to dance and the glory of God will come upon the temple. And God loved the temple. He said, this is the kind of temple I want to build. A temple without barriers, a temple without limitation, a place where everyone could worship together. That is kingdom. David presented the God, the model of a kingdom, a place where his word freely flowed, a place where worship was abundant, a place where there was nobody who was bigger than nobody. Every one of them could call upon the name of the Lord. And God looked at that temple and said, this is the kind of temple I want to build. This is the kingdom I want to build. I want a million people everywhere calling upon my name. I want a thousand people. I don't want to just raise superstars for God. I don't want to just raise a few people. I want a whole nation to call upon me. I want the whole people to rise up and declare that I am God. Hallelujah! This is the kingdom and he was talking about Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God was manifest. In the Son of God, the kingdom of heaven was manifest. God put the kingdom and wired it into a man and sent that man to the earth. And that man is Jesus Christ. How does the kingdom happen? How does this kingdom happen? How does it come about? How do you enter this kingdom? How do you belong to the kingdom? I submit that many people are in the church but are not in the kingdom. Many people are in the church but they're not in the kingdom. So they try to build church. Even pastors try to build church. I've tried so hard not to make this a church. I've tried so hard to make this the kingdom of God. And I know the pastors here have labored hard to build God a kingdom here. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about our gathering. It's not about who is the boss here. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about what God wants to build. It's about the enterprise of God in the earth. It's about God moving through cities and nations and causing things to become his how does the kingdom happen I can tell you how it doesn't happen it doesn't happen by world stage this is the world stage you know her you know him you know him some of you are so holy you don't know them thank you Jesus if you don't know these people wave your hand you don't know who they are, wave your hands. Then you're truly holy if you don't know them. On the world stage, you're going to find them. 
You're going to find them. You're going to find people you admire. You're going to find people you worship. You're going to find people you adore. But that's not the kingdom. So guess what? We live our lives following many of these people. They themselves are confused. They themselves are just human beings trying to find their way through life. And we look at them and worship them as gods. We adore them because of their influence and their power. And truly, power belongs to God. So who gave them power? You'll be surprised that it's God who gave them power. But God doesn't want us to worship them. Now, I'm not saying this is why bad people. You can see a good list here. Can you see the good side here? But they're on world stage. And it's not world stage that makes them kingdom. You can go to the highest of the heights, but you're still not kingdom. Singing gospel song in the, in the Academy Awards doesn't make you kingdom. That's not what makes you kingdom. That's not what makes you kingdom. Being on Wall Street doesn't make you kingdom. Climbing to the highest level of humanity doesn't make you kingdom. Let's read this together. One, two, go. Now, when he asked, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God will come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here, see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is an idea on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is not a man. It's not a location. It's not a church. The kingdom of God is where? See, touch your tummy. The kingdom of God is within you. God has worked his kingdom on the inside of you. God has worked his kingdom on the inside of you. People will say, let's travel here. Let's travel there. The kingdom of God is where? Within you. You can birth the kingdom from within. You can give birth to what God intends from the inside of you. You have the kingdom within you. Be Lata. How does the kingdom come? From within. How does the kingdom come? Ah, this church. How does the kingdom come? How does the kingdom come? There is a flow on the inside of you. There's a grace on the inside of you. There's something that you have that belongs to eternity. There's a spirit on your inside that is calling you. There's a power of God at work in your life. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. It's calling out. It's crying out for you to release it. The kingdom is chained on the inside of you. For many of you, you're suppressing the kingdom. You're holding it back. 
You're holding it back from expressing itself because you're looking at the kingdoms of this world. Because you're looking at observations on the outside. Because you're looking at popular people. Because you're looking at popular pastors. You're the kingdom is on the inside of you. Release it. Release it. Shake somebody and say, release it. Oh, no, no, I don't see you doing. Shake somebody and say, release the kingdom. 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 Unlock it. Make it known. Make it open. Make it plain. Make it visible. Unlock the kingdom on your inside. Nothing grieves me more than believers who don't know that they carry something. Nothing pains me more than people of God who don't realize that the seed of God is on their inside. Release the kingdom. 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 The kingdom is a modicum of God on the inside of you. There is the life of God on the inside of you. And we travel far. We attend conferences. We are seeking to go and be where people, popular people are. We are looking for popular ministers. We are talking about the grace of God in their life. There is no grace of God in anybody's life that unlocks anything if you don't permit it from the inside. That grace must add and act upon what God has put on the inside of you. Say the inside of me. The kingdom of God doesn't come from traveling and hanging around popular people. That's why God booby traps the biggest men with their flaws. The biggest men have their flaws. The biggest kings have their flaws. You just heard about Julius Caesar. I told you about St. Alexander the Great, every big man you'll read about in history had a broken place. Abraham, the father of promise, had an affair, had slept with his house girl. Abraham, the father of faith, went into Hagar. Every big man has their floor. So where is the kingdom then? It's not about going anywhere. It's not about traveling anywhere. The kingdom is on the inside of you. Mm. For the people who yield themselves to this upward call in God, and birth the deposit of the gods of the centuries of the ages on their inside release the power of the Christ release the unction of the son release the joys of heaven that you do heaven's bidding in your cosmos that within the days measured out for you you do the beating of beyond your mind and beyond yourself. You do a beating that is reaching out into the heavenlies, 
into the eternity of God. You do the beating in the heart of God. For those who will call out beyond this level, beyond this realm, beyond this time. For those who will hold out into eternity with their hands lifted up and their hearts aflame. The kingdom, the kingdom will be released. Release the kingdom. Its authority will never end. Release the kingdom. This kingdom's rule, this kingdom's reign, this kingdom's power and authority will never end. Will never end. And John the Baptist in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judah. And what was John the Baptist saying? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John had only one message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think for a kingdom is coming. Something is coming. Something is coming. Something big is coming. John believed this message so much. He was next in line. I shared this about three weeks ago. John was next in line to be the high priest because his father, Zechariah, was the high priest. Which means John came from the lineage of Levi. And John woke up in his day and began to cry out. He saw a vision. He saw something. He caught a passion. He released the kingdom of God on the inside of him. John released something on the inside of him. John released something on the inside of him. And one man began to cry out. The whole church was assembled. One man was standing in the wilderness and crying out, Come out, the kingdom of heaven is coming. And John was waiting for the fire of God to fall on Jerusalem and destroy it. He actually believed that destruction was coming on Jerusalem. And he was crying out. He says, man, <laughs> you brood of vipers. He was looking at them like snakes. He saw them like snakes. He said, your dad is a snake. Your mother is a snake. Your entire family are all snakes. You snakes. Why have you come? The axe is laid at the root of every tree. Any tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut off. John began to proclaim this wild gospel. John was not nice. You look at his clothes. When his father was wearing a priestly garment, the, the priests were so royal. They walked very slowly. Most times they train you in priesthood to walk very slowly and very soberly. You know why? Because you're carrying the whole tribe of Israel. And sometimes they give you 12 stones. So they teach you priestly observation. 12 stones representing each of the tribe of Israel. You put it in your leaning effort. Man, you guys need to read the, read the book of Leviticus. The priests put those 12 stones in their leaning effort. And they walk how they're going to walk around without dropping any of the stones. How can you drop a stone 
Don't you know a stone represents a tribe? If you drop a stone, it means one tribe of Israel has fallen to the ground. Can you imagine the implications of that? So your priestly training will tell you how to walk carefully. So John the Baptist was none of that. He didn't have wrapper. Like Christmas time, somebody bought me this, this fabric. I just made it today. It's a gift. Praise God. Christmas fabric. From my hamper. Thank you, all of you guys who clothe your pastors and your pastor is not full of nakedness. John did not set out to not wear clothes. He was so locked away from society that there was nothing to wear. So the wild animal he saw and killed and ate, he removed the inside towel and dried it and used it as his garment. And the skin of the animal. John did not set out not to eat meat. But if you're in the wilderness, there's no meat. So he started eating honey and locust. Wild honey and locust. He started learning how to survive in the wilderness by not going back home. Inside his house, high priests were very highly rated. So if you look at John today, he was a madman. Mad. None of you whose parents would like your son to be John. He was crazy. But there was something he saw. Something he knew. Something he was immersing in. Something different. He could feel something. He knew something. <sighs> and this kingdom's reign, and this kingdom's rule, and this kingdom power and authority, Jesus, your righteousness. Revealed. And John the Baptist began to speak of only one thing. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And Jesus now came after John because John said he was a forerunner. He was introducing someone. And when Jesus came, John says, I must decrease that he may increase. And when Jesus came, there was like a five-fold ministry Jesus was doing. Healing the sick. Raising the broken. Setting the prisoners free. Preaching Preaching the gospel. Jesus' hands were the hands of God. And we spoke about how God anointed Jesus Christ who went about doing good. 
healing all manner of sick and all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus' ministry was not only just demon chasing. He came to pay the eternal sacrifice for sin. We know what Jesus did to bring about the kingdom. This is the part that we all understand. What I'm trying to do is to set a link between the Bible. So when you read the Bible, you see one continuous story. It's the story of the kingdom of God, starting all the way from Genesis, all the way to Jesus Christ, and all the way to our times. One story is the story of the kingdom. And Jesus began to preach and says, the kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. I've come to release the kingdom. I've come to bring about the kingdom. <clears throat> Jesus is coming. Made the kingdom now accessible. In the time past, they all pointed to the kingdom. But Jesus Christ was the one who released the kingdom in us. He's the one who told us that the kingdom is now in us. He made us see how possible it was for us to live in the kingdom. He says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus brought about the kingdom. Hallelujah. Jesus now told us to prepare for the coming of the Holy Spirit and release what is called the believer's authority. Say believer's authority. Say it again, believer's authority. It means that all believers begin to work in the authority of Christ. And remember Acts chapter 2, you shall receive power. You shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is actually what God had in mind. Because in that time and in our time too, there's a lot of defiled power. What kind of power is defiled? The power of self. I can do it. Self becomes an idol. When self becomes an idol, then the power of demonic and the devil is released. Social movements. Social movements are defiled power. I asked someone today, I asked someone the other day, I said to them, how many people in Hollywood changed because of the Me Too movement? How many men decided they were not going to, they're not going to be you know, anti-feminist, they're not going to use women again. How many men made that decision because of Me Too movement? How many of you know how many men changed? I can tell you, Me Too movement changed nobody. I can tell you now. It didn't change anybody. So the men just came out and more on the talking points. It's called virtue signaling. You know what virtue signaling is? It's the social constructs. People come out to look like as if they are supporting people so that they can get what? Crowd. So Hollywood is about trading with crowd. So you say the nice things that everybody will fall in love with you. That's what they did. Nobody really changed. Do you think that after Weinstein, there are no new people in Hollywood who are making people to sleep with them so that they can get roles? 
It's happening in Nollywood too. I'm trying to use a faraway example so that it won't be too close to home. For you to get a role. A friend of mine was going to get a job. They told her, you are qualified. Everything is here. Come with change of clothes in the evening and the job is yours tomorrow. It's still happening. So these social movements, you can tell, you can do a movement and say, no sleeping with before giving employment. Do the movement now. It has no power to change nobody. Social constructs don't have power to change anybody. Feminists don't change nobody. Can I tell you something? Can I go there? Feminists don't change men. It makes them more angry. Feminists don't change men. No man ever changed and become better towards women because women started a movement called feminism. There's no power to change nobody in social constructs. Instead, what men did is that men started saying that women are taking away all our rights. There's a new movement from by men called male emasculation movement. We want to get back the authority of the man. One man power. Men are holding back to their power because women are saying they want to rebalance it. So can I tell you something? This is fake power when you trust Black Lives Matter. You would be thinking Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter until you discover that George Floyd was actually a criminal. Because he's thief stolen from people and hurt many people before they caught him. And then you discover that the Black Lives Matter movement was not really a movement. It was a, it was a personal enrichment program by the founders who collected money to go and build their own houses and to buy sex change operation and to give to trans men and trans women. If you know what Black Lives Matter is, you will not touch it with a long pole. Social constructs don't change nobody. Guess where transformation is? <laughs> Guess what makes people different? Kingdom. Say kingdom. kingdom. I can't hear you. Say kingdom. kingdom. In the kingdom is the power to change men and women. And broken people will change from the inside out. What man can treat a woman better apart from a man who has been transformed? What woman can know how to be except a woman who has been touched by the power of the Holy Ghost? So drop your social titles and come pick up the kingdom. Drop your movements and pick up the kingdom. The kingdom is the movement. Women rights, not a movement. Men rights, not a movement. The kingdom is the movement. The kingdom of God is the movement that changes men from the inside out. And they are no more the same. Something on the inside that causes you to be different. A spirit that the heavens and the timelessness of God will possess your days. 
that heaven will take charge of your life and use you as a choice instrument in your generation because you connected that which is eternal in God. That heaven will seize your life as a vehicle for the angels of God to work. That your hands will be healing hands. That your life will be a healing life. That your money will be healing money. That your business will be a touchstone of heaven. That the things you do, that your acting career, your music career will be a vehicle for God. Because nothing changes people. Talking about love on social media doesn't make anyone to love. Man cannot change himself. Only the kingdom changes you. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is here. That which transforms men is here. That which makes people to turn in the road is here. We are part of something bigger. Governments cannot change people. Governments can make laws. But it doesn't change no one. Doesn't change no one. This kingdom's reign. Believers' authority. When you believe, something begins to happen on the inside of you. When you believe, you are filled with power. When you believe, you are filled with authority. When you believe, you are filled with something on the inside of you. Those who believe will begin to move. Those who believe will begin to work. In the midst of brokenness in the earth, do you still believe? Even when you're sick, do you still believe? Even when you feel broken, do you still believe? Rise up and enter the kingdom. Enter the kingdom. Enter the kingdom of God. Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into the presence of God, I rise, I rise today. Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into the presence I come, I rise, I rise, I rise. Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into your presence I come, I rise, I rise, I rise. Can you sing it? Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into the presence of God, I rise, I rise, I rise. Can we sing it again? Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into the presence of God, I rise, I rise. I rise. Sing it again. Into the kingdom I come, leaving my worries behind. Into the presence of God, I rise, I rise, I rise. Rise in the kingdom. Rise to new life. Release that which is on your inside. Journey into the presence of God. Join into the movement of God. No worries. No divorce. No sickness. No infirmity. 
no death in your family, no nothing can direct and take down your joy. When you live in the kingdom, you know your days are numbered. You know your days are purposeful. Every day is for an assignment. Every money is for a purpose. Every opportunity is for a witness. Every open door is for the kingdom. Every resource you own, your estate in life, your everything belongs to the king because you live in the kingdom. Into the kingdom I come. Into the presence of God. Into the presence of God. I rise. I rise. I rise. Rise in your spirit. Take your believer's authority. Everyone in the kingdom has this authority. This is what Jesus came to establish. Amen. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I, remember, I know we remember that song. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, come on, everybody. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, come on, everybody. So we all talk about the kingdom, but the proof of the kingdom is that these things work in us, that what we're doing is righteous that we have peace, that we have joy. This is what we sell. Imagine that you are in the world. You are the one who is the good guy, but you have no joy. You have no joy. So every time people eat the fruit of your life, is sorrow, complaining, trouble, no joy. No joy. The people in the kingdom are supposed to be joyful. The kingdom is joy and peace. The things that happen to everyone will happen to you too. If you live in the broken nation, some of the brokenness of the nation will touch you. People will die. People will rise. People will fall. But you know that you are here to do something for a time. This is your days measured out for you. This is your season measured out for you. So you're not too taken by anything in the world because you know the kingdom is within you. Finally, we see John in the book of Revelation saying, I, John, saw the holy city, 
a new Jerusalem coming out from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Can I, tell, can I tell you where God is taking us to? A place where his kingdom will be in us. What is God's kingdom? It's the place where his words carry power. Does God's word carry power in your life? Can God tell you to stop? Can God tell you to go? Can God tell you to move? And you move? If you don't move at the command of God, you are not in the kingdom. His words don't carry power in your life. For you to be in the kingdom of God, the word of God must carry power in your life, must hold weight. Do you know how you respect your earthly parents who are good parents? You know, many of us had tough, tough time with some of our parents. But you know how you respect your earthly parents who have taken good care of you and you trust their judgment? Multiply that by 1,000 if you're in the kingdom of God. Everything that God says is good to you. Every suggestion of God, every instruction of God, every command of God is good to you. That's how you show that you are in the kingdom. So if you're struggling with the commands of God, if you're struggling with the instructions of God, if you're struggling with walking with God, there's a challenge. Do you guys understand? The kingdom invites you to receive God's instructions and to allow his influence. Today is the day for you to be influenced by the spirit of God. you guys understand? I'm trying to break it down. So we've been hearing kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. What does it mean? This is not kingdom. This is church. This is not kingdom. What does it really mean? It actually just simply means the place where God's word carry weight. Because if, he, if I'm the king, the Bible says wherever the king is, the word of the king has power. So you may not like Mr. B.A.T. But he has made a policy in CBN over you. And the influence of that policy will affect you whether you like it or not. You guys understand? It's not about love. But that's the difference between the kingdom of God. We love our king. On the earth, the kings of the earth don't need love. Their command is command they use. Julius Caesar arrogating power to himself. But our king is a king we love. It's a king we can love. It's a king we can love. So God calls us to love him. It's a demand of love. You guys understand this. That's why this kingdom is different. 
I know Holy Spirit wants me to just take this thing easy so you will not be confused about the kingdom again. So you're going to your career then. You're going to work then. What is kingdom at work? What does it look like? What does kingdom in your office look like? It's for you to carry the God on your inside and show it in the place of work. That's kingdom. Meanwhile, the devil is telling us, draw a line, separate your career from your spiritual life. This is not church. This is business. You have come again. Zini, always bringing God into everything. This is not church. This is business. Separate your church life. No, no, no. You're one. You're one. Your kingdom. Your kingdom. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God has come. So, the kingdom of God is not in the movements that we start to. You know how people now begin to begin new movements in the church and think the church movements is the kingdom. So, people have been complaining that, oh, they the world is too controlling. So let's start new movements in the world, in the church, right? So they start new movements. The pastor now begins a new movement and begins to gather people. Gather people who will follow his movement. And now begins to say, this is kingdom, this is kingdom. No, it's only kingdom to the extent that you allow the Holy Spirit to direct that organization. So you're supposed man of God who was breaking down denomination and preaching against denomination you know how denomination can be a thing where if you're not in that denomination you cannot do anything right you have to do their believers school you have to do their course you have to do their bible study if they don't respect anybody else's denomination right denomination can be quite a thing so this pastor came to, to set up a new movement of apostolic people so his movement is now apostolic movement. All of a sudden, the apostolic movement now became a denomination. So if you're not in the denomination of the apostolic movement, he cannot do anything with you. Do you see why God says he will rebuild the tabernacle of David? A place without divisions. A place without wars. A place without denomination. A place without preferences. A place where everyone is tuned to the agenda of God. God is trying to get us out from our little, little pocket and the places where we've locked him in and to build something incredible with us. Amen. Amos chapter 9, verse 11 to 12. On that day, let's read this together. One, two, go. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its old ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does these things. This was Amos. This was before the Jews ever had any regard for Gentiles. This is before Jesus came. Amos prophesied it, that the Gentiles were going to be called. That the Gentiles were going to be called by the name of the Lord. That means that this kingdom of God is going to go round. But that's actually not 
what all I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that God is now in this new place where he's bringing back everything that we lost as his people. God is now in this new place where he's restoring every idea that was stolen from the church. God is now in this place where he's rebuilding back the things that the devil has taken from God's people. God is now in this place where he's bringing his people back together and telling us that we should do this thing for the right reasons. We should do business for the right reasons. We should do leadership for the right reasons. We should do our work for the right reasons. Why? Because our work reflects the eternal glory of God. Your singing career looks like heaven. Your musical career looks like heaven. Your work life, your bank, your use of money looks like heaven. Your gardening business looks like heaven. Everything you do looks like you are recreating heaven again. So the kingdom of God has come among men means that through you, men everywhere will begin to see God. It means that the things you do are now the reflection of the God people see. People say that Jesus, you're the only Jesus people will see. But it's actually true. You're the only kingdom of God that people will see. Which is why God vested his kingdom on the inside of you. So ask yourself, if you're the only Christian in the whole world, what will Christianity look like? If you're the only believer in the world, what will Christianity look like? Will it be burning? Will it be fervent? Will it be chill? Will it be dead? If you're the only believer in the world. So now I invite you to enlist in this end time movement. Today is an invitation. Enlist in the kingdom. The kingdom is not a banner or a logo. It's not Ecclesia Hills logo. It's not the Church of Christ banner. The kingdom is bigger than all of us. In fact, not everybody here may be in the kingdom. God hopes that our church will be the place from where he can harvest people for the kingdom. He says, nevertheless, this foundation of the Lord stands sure. Let those who, let the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who is called the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. It means that as we're sitting down, God knows the people in this church who belong to him, who respond to him, who yield to him. God knows. He was in number 5, number 10, number 20, number 75 in this congregation. You belong to me. You hear my word and you respond. You are in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is calling you to enter. The kingdom of God is inviting you to belong. This is not about church. This is not about Ecclesia Hills. This is actually the entire enterprise of God on the earth. He's calling you to enter. And some of you, you you know, you know the kingdom, you can see it, you can smell it, but you know it's going to place a demand on you as a result, you're refusing to enter. But today, I came for a few people who are going to enlist and sign up for the kingdom. I came for a few people who are going to leave their movements and leave their logos behind and join the movement of God. I came for a few people who are going to say, it doesn't matter if I perish, I perish. If this is what Jesus came to build, I am joining in. I came to sign up. Today is sign up ceremony for the kingdom. Who are those who are ready to enter the kingdom and do the kingdom? Who are those who are ready to unlock the kingdom of God on their inside? Where are those who are ready to go on the journey of God and make their lives worth it? 
because they yield to the command of the kingdom. Rise up from the place of your hiding. Rise up from the place of your loss. Rise up from the place of your lack and enter the kingdom. Rise up from the place of your demand and your prayer points. Leave your prayer points behind and enter the kingdom. Rise up from the place of your agenda. Leave your agendas behind and enter the kingdom. Rise up from the place of your building projects. Leave your building projects behind and enter the kingdom. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is going forward. The kingdom is moving ahead. The kingdom is going forward. It's going to the ends of the earth. There is something bigger. Something is coming. God will unlock the kingdom on the earth. The kingdom of God has come. But the kingdom of God is yet coming. That will be manifest through the church. Through the church will be released the glory of God. And unlock the counsel of God. The heart of God in the generation will be released and God will cause people everywhere to press in for from the days of John the Baptist the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men pressing into it you heard Sister Lara say last Sunday that yes you can choose yourself yes you can choose to enter the kingdom Oh, you can choose to enter the kingdom. Enter the kingdom today. Say, I enter the kingdom. Church, say, I enter the kingdom. Say, I step into the kingdom. Say, I'm not where I used to be anymore. I step into the kingdom. I step into the kingdom. I step into the kingdom. Into the kingdom I come. Into the presence of God. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours forever. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. My life is yours. It's yours. It's yours forever. There are a few people here you're struggling with the idea of the kingdom. You're struggling with the idea of releasing everything you have. Jesus began to teach about the kingdom and says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field which when a man finds he sells everything to buy that kingdom. The kingdom is the biggest place of your expansion. The kingdom is also the death of your flesh. But the best of you is in the kingdom. This is the place Jesus came to build. This is the one message the apostles proclaim. This is what John the Baptist announced. Now the kingdom of heaven is here. See, I step into the kingdom. Into the kingdom of God I come. I come past the outer courts. I come past the ceremonies. Say it out. Say, I come past the outer courts. I come past the ceremonies. Into the holy of holies. I come into the heart of God. I step into. I step into the heart of God. I leave my worries behind. I leave my inhibitions behind. I leave my troubles behind. Is kingdom and kingdom and kingdom 
and nothing else matters. My marriage is kingdom. Say it out, my marriage is kingdom. I can't hear you Singapore saying it. Say it out, my marriage is kingdom. My work is kingdom. My family is kingdom. My friendship is kingdom. Everything about me is the kingdom of God. I connect to that which is eternal in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray for these people. Long before the foundation of the earth, you declared your counsel and you spoke into being. And Enoch prophesied it. Abraham connected to it. Isaac and Jacob, they lived in the land of promise in tents, waiting for us to belong to the kingdom. And since the time of John the Baptist, a clarion has been going out. A call to men and women who step in and leave their worries and leave their agendas behind. And step into the eternal continuum of God. Lift up your hands and say, we in our day also pressing. I can't hear you church. Can you please stand? I feel like if it's not about money, if it's not about prosperity, we don't know how to celebrate anything else. The kingdom is the primary thing that Jesus came to preach. Forget everything. Forget prosperity. Forget it for now. In the kingdom, everything you need is there. There's provision in the kingdom. But call for the kingdom of God first. Even in the Lord's Prayer, He says after recognizing God and saying hello to Him, the next thing is, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's our primary prayer to pray. Say, Lord, I subscribe to the kingdom today. I give my life to the kingdom. I will do everything with kingdom ethos, with kingdom thinking. I bring my business to you as a kingdom business. I bring my career to you as a kingdom career. I bring my family to you as a kingdom family. My life is a kingdom life. I give you my life. My years will never end because I belong to the kingdom that never ends. Because I belong to a kingdom that never ends. Do you know how the years, open your eyes for a minute, do you know how the years of God never ends? Is that in every generation he finds a new people. That's how God renews himself. He renews himself that after I leave, if I die and I don't finish my assignment, God will find in my daughters their ability to carry the kingdom in another generation. So that's why God tells us to raise godly seed so that our seed after us can carry the hallmark of the kingdom to another generation. We may not complete the assignment. Many of us may fall and die. But guess what? doesn't matter whether we die. Did you do the kingdom while you are alive? And that's how you subscribe to the eternal equation of God. And the years of God's kingdom never ends until the final time when he rounds up this enterprise. Your life counts to the extent 
that you subscribe to the kingdom. Please leave other things behind. Nothing counts but the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.